We're going to read from Zechariah chapter 4. And uh, the title of my sermon is Not by Might, Not by Power, but by My Spirit, says the Lord. Which many Christians know that phrase, but we're going to see it a little bit in a context, and then we're going to apply it to our lives. Zechariah, of course, was a prophet from the Old Testament, and so he is having a series of visions. And uh, chapter 3 is all about God dealing with Joshua the high priest. The context of this is that the children of Israel were taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And what's happening now, you can read the history of it in Ezra and Nehemiah, is that they are coming back. But not many of them came back. The vast majority of the Jews that were taken into captivity in Babylon stayed there. Only a relative handful, uh, uh, handful uh, came back. And when they came back, everything was devastated. And we, you can read this in Ezra, uh, Nehemiah, and also the prophet Haggai speaks into this situation. And Joshua was the high priest, and Zerubbabel, who we'll hear of, he was like the political ruler, the prince of Israel. So these two came back, the, the religious priest and also the political ruler. And God spoke to them to rebuild the temple that was in absolute ruins. And so there in chapter 3, Joshua was a personal mess himself, and uh, Satan was attacking him and, and speaking against him, and God cleansed him and, and uh, made him fit for service. And now here in chapter 4, having dealt with Joshua, we're going to see God speaking and encouraging the political leader, Zerubbabel, in the face of a devastated Jerusalem that God had called him to rebuild with a very few people. And all the people around, all the people of the land who weren't Jewish, they were determined that they were going to stop the Jews from rebuilding Jerusalem. So here we are, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1. Then the angel who was speaking with me returned and roused me as a man who was awakened from his sleep. This is Zechariah being touched by the angel. He said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on the top of it, and it's seven lamps on it with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which were on top of it. Also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side. Then I said to the angel who was speaking with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? So the angel who was speaking with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Also the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. Then I said to him, What are these two olives on the right of the lampstand and on its left? 
And I said, and I answered the second time and said to him, what are the olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes which empty the golden oil from themselves? So he answered me saying, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. And so we have a prophetic picture. Uh, we have Zechariah the prophet, and then we have Zerubbabel, and we've heard about the high priest Joshua. They're the two leaders, the religious leader and the political leader, and they've got this incredible hard task to rebuild the temple and Jerusalem with very little resources and very few people, and everybody around them, all the nations around them, uh, are wanting them not to succeed and putting pressure on them. And so we get this picture we get this picture of a, of a lamp uh, that's in the middle of two trees, olive trees. And out of these olive trees is fresh oil that's going into this oil-fueled lamp. So fresh oil is there that the, the, the lamp stand and the lamp would continue to burn. Now it's a little bit difficult to picture what this looks like. A lamp with a bowl on top of it uh, with two trees. So I've got a little picture uh, of an artistic uh, representation of it that's going to come up on, on, the plat on the platform behind me. Um, there's other types of artistic representations that are slightly different. If you're interested, just, just Google it. But, but there, there's a good one. And so behind me, the picture of these two olive trees. Later on in the prophecy, we found that one of those olive trees was representative of the high priest Joshua, who'd been cleansed and restored for service. And then the other tree uh, is uh, Zerubbabel, the political leader, who's got the task of rebuilding the temple. And then you can see in this representation, one of the more simple ones, that there is some pipes that the prophet mentioned that are in the tree. And somehow, those olives that are there, somehow they uh, become the oil that is constantly, freshly being poured into this wonderful lampstand. And then you can see the one, two, three, four, five, six, the seven wicks with the, with the uh, fire on top that is a picture of the Holy Spirit's burning presence and that this is con continuing to take, to take place. That, thank you. And so that gives you a little bit of, of an image of what's happening here. And, and that picture is this, is that the Lord is prophesying and saying that there is available for the work of God an enabling that doesn't come from humanity. Now, the picture of oil in the Old and New Testament is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And so in the temple, oil was used, anointing oil, to, to sanctify and make holy the different utensils uh, for the use of the Lord. Even the high priest and the priest would anoint themselves with special oil that wasn't allowed to be used for anything else as a picture, a human symbol, if you like, of the Holy Spirit's anointing or enabling coming upon somebody to do a special work of the Lord. Now this would be very encouraging to Zerubbabel and, and to, to Joshua because what, what they saw in front of them was a real mess. 
I mean, it was it, the, the impossibilities. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the, the, the people. They didn't, they didn't have the money uh, to rebuild this absolutely, totally destroyed city. It was pure rubble in front of them. And it must have been very, and it was actually very discouraging for them. When we read about Nehemiah and Ezra and the history of what's going on at the moment, there was great discouragement that, that was going on. And so... The prophet says, well, what, what is this oil all about? And the angel answers and says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And so what God was saying is that this work that Zerubbabel and the high priest Joshua were to undertake would be done by the provision and the power of God himself. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, is a very well-known verse amongst charismatic and Pentecostal Christians. There are songs about it. We quote it. And, and, and here, in the original format, what it's saying is this, not by might, nor by power. Now, the Hebrew word might is really speaking about military force. That's what it's speaking about. That's what it's alluding to. So the idea that, that by their own force they could rebuild God's kingdom uh, in Jerusalem uh, and it was like you, you're not going to do it by human force and human effort. And then the word power, the word power is linked to resources. So military is might, force, human strength. But power is resources, it's, it's money, it's um, building materials, it's all the sort of resources that, that you would need. And they needed, in a sense, they needed both because the, the people of the land, those that were immediately around Jerusalem and, and the Israel that being restored, they wanted to destroy them. They wanted to stop them from building the walls, which was Nehemiah's specific job, and Zerubbabel to build the temple. And they got discouraged, and, uh, and Haggai, the prophet, had to speak to them and say, look, before you build your own houses, build the house of the Lord, and then God will look after you and help them prioritize things. So not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. In other words, there's a lesson here that when God has called us to do something, or when God has called us to become someone, do you hear what I'm saying? So when God has called us to do something for him, whatever that is, and that can be as a body, the body of Christ, Together here at Kensington Temple, our 2020 vision of making disciples and playing our part in reaching the city and training one another. But also in the marketplace, something very important for us, when people are called and gifted in different areas of life, in the financial world, called and gifted, in social work, called and gifted, in the arts and the media, called and gifted in the sports, called and gifted in the medical world, called and gifted in the educational world, called and gifted in the re retail world, called and gifted in law and order, called and gifted in politics, called and gifted in whatever area we could talk about. Last Sunday evening, I spoke about priests in the marketplace, where I said that there is no such thing as clergy and laity. 
No such thing really as ordained ministers, Reverend Bruce Atkinson. I do have reverend in front of my name, but it's not actually real or valid. I'm no more reverend or holy or set apart than you are. Because you have a calling, you have a ministry. Mine might be to preach this evening, yours might be to take a class of seven or eight-year-olds in the morning at a school, but we're no different. We're both called and we're both equipped. And for all of us, what we're called to do together in our cell vision here at Kensington Temple and also being salt and light in the world, we are called and anointed or the word is empowered, and it is not to be by might nor by power, but it's to be by God's Spirit. Now what does it mean by God's Spirit? Well it means by the Holy Spirit's enabling, it becomes supernatural. It's God that gets involved with us in the nitty-gritty of following the Lord and making disciples and in the nitty-gritty of the marketplace of whatever area in society we are called, we are drawing on an energy on an enabling uh, that is not our own. We may have studied hard to be in the job that we're in, but we're not resting purely on that. We're saying, Holy Spirit, will you anoint uh, my hard work that has got me into this place? And can there be some supernatural work of God? We talk about supernatural, don't we? What we mean by supernatural is this. There are natural gifts, natural works, but what we want is God to put his super on, don't we? We want him to supercharge what we've already done. We want God to be on us and God to be through us. And we want, if I can put it this way, we want the touch of God in everything that we are in, in, involved in. So when we talk about not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, we're speaking about a divine enabling that's not our own. Uh, and, and sometimes when that enabling takes place, people look at us and they think, wow, look what you've done. But only we know that actually it was God that did it through us. And God wants each one of you to come into a place where you know that what you're doing in the marketplace and what you're doing in, in, the, church, in the vision of our church, that, that it's not you. You're giving your life to it. God has got to have someone to anoint. But you're realising that God is enabling, that God is doing it, and that you know in your heart of hearts that it's his enabling. So not by might, not by power, but by my spirit is a reliance on God's anointing. The picture is that there is infinite resources for us to build God's kingdom on earth. This is an Old Testament picture of building God's kingdom. It was the Old Testament way. They were going to build a temple. They were going to build Jerusalem. But we know that the New Testament says that there is another temple that we are building now in the New Testament after Jesus came. And it's no longer building a physical temple in Jerusalem. God's done with that. But now we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Peter says we are actually living stones being put together in God's house. So just like Zerubbabel, we are part of a building project. But we're not building with physical stones, we're building with living stones, we're building with human beings. 
We're building one another, building one another up in our faith, building one another up by encouragement, building one another up in our small groups, building one another increasingly up in the place of work in society, the marketplace that you've been in here. We are building God's temple on earth. And it's not located somewhere in Israel called Jerusalem that everybody's fighting over, but but the new Jerusalem, the city that we're building or we're part of or that we're citizens of is the Jerusalem that is above. We are citizens of heaven on the earth. We literally, in our time here on the earth, we are literally pilgrims in an unholy land. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven, but we're to bring as much of of our home down to earth as possible. And and the resources of, of heaven, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that, the resources that are in heaven are unlimited. And, and, and the resources of heaven are brought to us. The tools to do the job, the resources that we need, supernatural, miraculously, the resources are brought to us by the Holy Spirit. And so this picture of these two trees and this oil and the, this, the work of the Holy Spirit and the, and the, the seven um, flames that are a picture of the Holy Spirit repeated in the book of Revelation and this idea of unlimited resources, unlimited anointing and enabling, resources and enabling, and this this pouring of the oil, which is the Holy Spirit, into this uh, bowl, and then out of it, the fires are burning. There is fuel to follow the Lord. There is fuel to do what God has called us to do. And it's infinite fuel, and it's the Holy Spirit, and it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the anointing which, is, which means enabling of the Holy Spirit that is being poured out even to today. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. In other words, he's saying, don't go out until you're anointed. Don't go out and do the work of the kingdom, preaching the gospel and making disciples wherever you are. Don't do it, he said to his disciples, until the oil or the Holy Spirit is poured out so that you can have the resources and the divine ability to do what God has called you to do. So it's the ability, not by might, not by power, to do what God has called us to do where he has called us into. But I said also that the not by my power, but not by might, not by power, is not only the ability to do what God has called us to do, it's also the, um, I'll use that, the ability to become what God has called us to become. How many of us know that, that we're not quite who God wants us to be yet? That in our character, in the way that we think, in the way that we respond to events, in the way that we are disciples, we're not quite, by a long way maybe, the person that God has envisioned us. God has got a picture of you and a picture of me fully matured. And the Holy Spirit is the resource and and the enabling, not just to do what God has called us to do, but even more importantly, and the two are related, to become what God wants us to become. 
I've noticed that in charismatic circles, there's a lot of focus on doing what God wants us to do. Power to, for service, power to do, power to do the other. Lord, anoint me to do this, anoint me to do that. And that's all right, except this, that if all we focus on is power to do, instead of power to become, as we begin to do things in the power of the Lord, we are not sufficiently growing in maturity to handle it. You know what, you got that straight away, didn't you? And so it's both and. It's the power and the anointing, not by might, not by human effort alone, not by power, to become the person that God has called you to become. I won't go into this tonight, but may talk about it next week. I feel next week I'll be speaking on love and what love is. God wants us to become what the fruit of the Holy Spirit describes us to become. You say, God wants us to love one another and become more loving. Well, what does that mean? Well, you have to go to the fruit of the Spirit. Love is uh, patient, for example. Love is kind in its attitude towards people. Love is generous, generously hearted. Uh, love is believing and faithful to those that are around. Love is gentle, understands how to use power for the benefit that are under us rather than use power to exalt ourselves. Love is self-control, getting a grip of our lives so that we can do what God has called us to do and, and, and to treat people as they should be treated. We could get, then go to 1 Corinthians 13, love is, and then it goes through all these different aspects. That's what God wants us to become, to grow in these, these, these fruits. Remember on New Year's Eve, on, on the night when we came into the new millennium, and at Kensington Temple, we, had, we, we were in a big tabernacle venue that we used temporarily for about four years down in uh, North Acton. And for the whole night, coming into the new millennium, we had preaching, and then we were going to have a cooked breakfast in the morning, and it was a wonderful time. And um, it, it was quite late at night. I think, it, I think midnight had passed and everything, and I just thought I'd go to the bathroom to refresh myself uh, before going back for the rest of the day and just wash my face and everything. And I remember I went in there. It, it was New Year's morning, and I just took some water, washed my face, freshened myself up so I could make it through to breakfast time because we had bre cooked breakfast for about 3,000 people we were doing. And then I looked into the mirror just to check myself as you do, and I caught my own eye. I caught my own eye. I don't, I don't know about you, but when I look in the, in the mirror to, to shave, I don't spend the whole time gazing into my eyes. <laughs> I, 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 one of the problems, and I often cut myself, I, I'm like, get the job done, check your hair, and, and, and go. It'd be, a, it'd be a problem, wouldn't it? Uh, it'd be like the Oedipus, uh, not, who, who's the guy? No, who is it who kept staring at? Narcissist, thank you. It'd be like, it'd be narcissistic, wouldn't it? Well, Narcissus, the story of Narcissus mythology, is that he felt he was so beautiful that when he saw his reflection in a pool, he couldn't stop looking at himself because he was so beautiful, and in the end he died because he couldn't move to eat because he was too beautiful. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't like that, I promise. <laughs> you say, we can see it wasn't like that. But I looked, I caught my own eye and something happened. And I had... I don't know, I had an image in, inside and I saw myself as I caught my eye and on the inside I saw this image and I, I, I it's hard to explain because it was spiritual vision 
but for, for a few moments, I saw myself as I always wanted to be. I looked at myself, a spiritual vision came as I caught my own eye, and I saw myself. I saw myself confident, confident in God. So absolutely confident in God, yet not arrogant. I saw myself at peace. I, I saw myself filled with a joy, a joy and a, a, a bubbling that was there. I, I saw myself courageous, yet not bombastic. I just saw myself in a glimpse, like I said, it's hard to explain, fully formed, fully mature. The, the fully mature Christian Bruce for a glance, and I went away. And uh, I'm nearer there than I was I'm nearer there now than I was then, but I've still got a long way to go. But it was like God just giving me an illustration. Now, how am I going to become the Bruce that I now really want to be, having had a glimpse of it, and that God wants me to become? The only way is by the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need more of his oil. I need more of his empowering, more of his ability, more of his working in my heart to get out the bad stuff and form the good stuff. More, more of his courage, more of his strength, more of, his, uh, more of him bringing Jesus to me. You get the point, don't, don't you? So when we say, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, we're talking about a total reliance that God is real and that God is going to help us. And a, and, and a shift of trying purely to make things done by ourselves. Of course there's going to be work. Of course you have to study for your exams if you want to be a lawyer or a teacher. Of course you have to get up, set, you have to set your alarm, get up, go on the tube to work in order. You have to do things, but the thing is you, you do what you do and you do the right things, but that's not where you're putting your trust. Zerubbabel was going to get a whole bunch of people and they were going to start clearing the rubble. They were going to start, well, there's going to be a lot of hard work, hard physical manual work. But that's not where the success was going to come. And then in verse 7, what are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you'll become a plain and you will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. You see, here's a picture, and, and already God is saying the anointing is there for you. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God is here to help you, to become what he wants, what, what he wants you to become and to do what he, he's called you to do, and, and put your faith in him, not in human resources and human ability. And then it shifts to the end. All of a sudden it's like, there's this great mountain. It's like, but there's this great mountain, there's opposition. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to become what you want me to become and I don't know how I'm going to do what you want me to do because I'm looking out at a, a, a level Jerusalem that's just totally destroyed. It's just, it's just a mountain of impossibility before us. How am I going to do that? Well, you're saying by the Holy Spirit we're going to do it. Uh, so now I need, to, I need the Holy Spirit more than ever. And then it says, look, look at that great mountain. You'll see it become a plain by the power of the Holy Spirit. And look, here's the top stone. It's like Zerubbabel hasn't even begun getting the work parties out. And he's saying, here comes the Holy Spirit, trust in him. You have no real resources but God, but God will be your resource. And then it's like, look, 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 here's a picture for you. Here's a picture of the completed temple. And look, here's the last stone to be put 
in place. The top stone, the time of great rejoicing, when the building and the call to do what God's called them to do is ended. And the final stone, often this would be a stone at the top of the building, or there might be an archway, and it would be the final stone to be put in place in the archway, and then the building would be completed. And here's a wonderful picture. And it's like, look, look at the completed work. What, what God has started, he will finish. You, this, this mountain that's in front of you, uh, God says, I'm going to level it, and here's a picture of you. Think of yourself, Zerubbabel, placing that last stone in. You will complete what I've called you to do. And just look and think about the joy and the rejoicing when you see that the Holy Spirit and your hard work has brought this to pass. And at the end of it, there's only one word that you will be able to shout. Grace. Grace to it. What is grace? Grace is undeserved mercy. Grace is God alone without human help. Grace is always God's work, never human work, because it's free, it's a gift. So at the end of this, you're going to look at it and you're not going to say, well done Zerubbabel, you are a mighty political man, what a great man of God you are. They didn't shout when the last was put down, when the last stone was down. They didn't, they didn't go, all hail Zerubbabel, all hail Zerubbabel. No, all they could say is, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. So when we begin to move and allow the Holy Spirit and to rely on him and to call on him and to ask the Lord Jesus to send the Holy Spirit, because he is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's the one that sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke to me one evening and I was calling on him to come in power in Kensington Temple people's lives and, and there's nothing wrong in doing that and I've been continued to do it but this is one moment the Holy Spirit spoke to me very powerfully as I'm saying, come Holy Spirit and touch our lives and grow us and use us and everything like that. I'm saying there's nothing wrong in doing that, invoking, calling on the Holy Spirit and I still do it but this one moment I heard this, I go where I'm sent. I thought, Wow. And then I realized in that moment that as well as invoking and asking the Holy Spirit to come, I should also go to Jesus who sends the Holy Spirit. So then it, it changed a lot. As well as inviting the Holy Spirit to come, I found myself more and more going to Jesus and I'm more and more and saying, Lord, baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Immerse us. Pour out. Send your Holy Spirit like you did. He said, I've got to go away. I've got to go into heaven. But when I do, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. So he's the sender, and the Holy Spirit was helping me. I think the Holy Spirit says, yes, I'm going to come, but Bruce, you ought to, ought to go to the person who sends me because I have chosen to only speak what Jesus tells me to do and do what Jesus tells me to do. I'm only going to go where Jesus tells you to do. So here's a little hint, Bruce. I think you're a theologian, got a degree, but here's a little hint. Also, as well as calling on me, go to my, the one that sends me, the Son. All right? And so it's, it's, it's grace, grace. And so God wants us in a place where we will be able to say, I, this isn't me. I didn't do this. This is the hand of God. This is God that has brought this to come to pass. And others might not realise it. They think it's just you. But you know it. You know it. Grace. Grace. And then, um, and then it says this. 
The hands of Zerubbabel, in verse 8, have laid the foundation of this house and his hands will finish it. How wonderful. The New Testament says that what Jesus, who has started a good work in you, will finish it. That when God calls us to do something, then we can be confident that if we rely on him, eventually it will be done. And then, uh, who has despised the day of small things? So often, it's the small things that we become discouraged in. We know that when they began to build, rebuild the temple, it was a fraction of the size of Solomon's temple that was destroyed. And even when they, they, they built the temple, there would be some who would be saying grace, grace to it. You read in, I can't remember if it's Ezra or Nehemiah, I think it's Ezra. You read that when they finished it, loads of people were shouting with praise that they had finished it. Grace, grace to it. But also when you read in the history, there was a lot of people that were weeping and crying. Those that, had, that were old enough to remember the temple before it was destroyed. And you had, the, you had rejoicing and, and sorrowing at the same time. But God says, don't despise the day of small things. And sometimes we can look out at where we are and you think, well, what can I do? You look at how many people don't yet know the Lord in Europe and you think... We're just a drop in the ocean. What can we do? And if we're not careful, that can paralyze us. You think, well, I can't do much, and so we don't do anything. You know, that's, the, that's the danger. Well, it's just a little thing to do. What, what will my little thing ever have? But you don't realize that God can take the little and make it into a big impact. He can take a few small fish and some bread and multiply it. We don't want to be like in the power of the talons where the person with one talent one piece of money says, you know, what's this? You know, 50p. What use is that to the kingdom of God? 50p. Throw it down. And when the Lord said, what did you do with the 50p I gave you? Well, I just buried it. I mean, what can you do with 50p? And Jesus said, don't you know that if you'd used that wisely, that 50p might have turned into £2.50. Oh, what's that? It's a lot to me, says the Lord. Because uh, to those that are given, more will be given. And so, and so, and so we, see, we see this principle. Then finally, finally, before we pray, we get this picture again of the olive branches that are by the golden. God is anointing them for the work. And uh, right at the end, in verse 13, he says, do you know what these are? Speaking about the two trees, which are representative, I think, of Zerubbabel and Joshua, the priest in chapter 4. He says, no, I don't. He says, these are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. Now, it isn't the, the phrase in the Hebrew is not anointed ones, which means empowered ones. It's this. It says, the, the, the literal Hebrew, it's here in my, um, my, my margins, is this. These, let me just find it. Verse 14, ah, oh, there we go. These are the two sons of fresh oil who are standing by the Lord. I love that. Sons of fresh oil. Daughters of fresh oil. Remember that oil is the Holy Spirit upon us, enabling us to become, to do what he wants us to do and become the sons of fresh oil. Not, not the sons of stale oil. God was once at work in them and through them. But the sons, this idea of fresh oil, fresh oil. I, I don't know about you, but I love fresh olive oil. Love it when it's fresh. The fresher, fresher the better. You know, when you go to a place where they produce it, like Greece or, 
or somewhere, and, and you find it, and it's so fresh, it's just amazing. And I hate stale, and I throw far too much olive oil away, because if I leave it for a few weeks or a month, I pick it up and I just go, I can't, that's not fresh enough, I want, I want it fresh, and, I, and then I go and get, get another bottle. Well, this fresh, fresh ability, fresh empowering, fresh touch of God on our lives that refreshes and freshes and enables us, the sons of fresh oil. God wants you to be a son of fresh oil. He wants you to be a son, a, a daughter of fresh oil. He wants to give you something fresh, new, a fresh anointing, as we might call it, a fresh enabling, a fresh touch, a fresh refilling. He, he's got so much oil available for you. He doesn't want you to run on empty. He wants you to go back again and again and be refilled, re-anointed, re re re-strengthened. If you have a car, you have to change the oil every so often. And God wants to continually be changing our oil, refreshing us with the oil that allows us to do what he's called us to do and become what he's called us to become.